to the Batmobile. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Holy smokes, Batman. It's Gaggle of Geeks with uh, Blake Howard and Sophie Live. That always happens. I always forget the honks of the geese. I love the honks of the geese. It's my favourite. Well, the honks are there for a good reason, Blake, because this is Gaggle of Geeks on it to S-E-R. I'm Sophie Lai. And I am Blake Howard. Hello, guys. Welcome. Yes, this is the weekly podcast here on 2SER where we wrap up the news in pop culture and geek culture. And geek culture, yes. Lots of geekery. All the geekery. Everything. from, From all over the place. Yeah. Films, TV, comics, books on occasion. Yeah. On occasion games, but since I have no coordination with my fingers, <laughs> that's all on Blake. <laughs> uh, and, and because I have a child and a second one on the way, it means that I can't do anything with games. <laughs> Even when I gave her the broken controller, she still wants mine. Does she? Freaking 14-month-old tyrant that she is. <laughs> <laughs> Does she just slobble all over? And uh, like, is it a chew toy for her? No. Nah, see, the the cool thing, and this is what is, is about PlayStation, the cool thing is PlayStation controls light up at the back. Oh. So it's just the light. So I gave her the control and she looks at it like, oh, yeah, it's fine. But she looks at mine. Mine has a light. Shiny light Shiny thing. Shiny light thing. And if I turn hers on or give her one that is active, then every game is ruined. So, <laughs> uh, Hashtag dad life. Okay. Okay. But yes, this is a podcast uh, where we never do mistakes, do we, Blake? No, definitely not. Nothing like this. this there's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won best picture. This is not a joke. Moonlight has won best picture. Yeah, I mean... The Oscars last year, Blake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, there was... Uh, what what ended up being like a pretty great night was like shrouded in <laughs> this really like clumsy, crappy and super unfortunate moment. It kind of cheated uh, La La Land of a win um, for the best possible reason to give it to Moonlight and sort of cheated Moonlight out of the glorious announcing hearing their name and not just like a cluster F on stage, which uh, ended up being there. So, look, <laughs> this year's Oscars, though, mm. it's so cool to see this nomination list. I must say, it's like a ripping list of, uh, of films and nominations. And especially since the past previous years, it's been, you know, I mean, now we're seeing each award show getting more political in a way. Mm. And there was like Oscars so white. Mm. Now you're looking at this list and you're like, yes, yes. Yes. Yeah, look, it's... It's it's, getting through. The message is getting through. Yeah, it seems like the message is finally getting through, right? And uh, it's it's a weird year because it's the year of no Harvey Weinstein. It's Mm. it's, um, the year where the Me Too movement has, you know... And this is where I think is actually smart is Golden Globes is just... It's 93 people in the Hollywood Foreign Press who vote for the Golden Globes. It's a tiny thing. Mm. It's the biggest, most sort of, like, extravagant and stupid reason to have a party in Hollywood. So I'm so glad that they did actually make them political and make it worthwhile. But what's really cool with this year's Oscar nominations is that, uh, you know, some of the big directors and big films and important films from a a, a wide and diverse range of filmmakers are, are on show. I mean, there are still some pretty, you know, some of the more frustrating and grating ones. People are ripping into three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, like it's going crazy. But... 
The Shape of Water, 13 nominations. Get Out, 4 nominations. Jordan Peele is an Oscar-nominated filmmaker. I know. And there was that beautiful tweet that he said, how do you like not ugly cry on the phone? (laughs) Because he, of course, had to celebrate with Daniel Kaluuya, the star, and they're both apparently ugly crying to each yeah. other. Uh, yeah. And um, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, her debut film. Two debut filmmakers in for Best Director nominations. Um, Kamal Nanjani was talking about how, you know, like 12 years ago, he was heckled. Um, uh, yeah, you know, like 12 years ago, he was heckled at a... Uh, um, at a comedy show by his then, well, you know, what soon became his wife and they wrote a movie about it and now they are Oscar nominees as well. It's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. You're looking at this, you're looking at even the supporting actress. You've got Mary J. Blige. You've got, you know, Octavia Spencer. You've actually got more women of colour this yeah. time. Yeah. Fa- like, fa- fantastic. So, look, let's, I think, I think it'd only be right for us to go through the big ones. Nominations yeah. for the best picture mm-hmm. are as follows Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. It's a, it's a 10 nominee slot, um, and it's a big, it's a big list of great flicks this year. It's it's pretty massive. Yeah. And the other thing is that I wasn't expecting to see it. Logan. Logan. Old mate Wolverine. Is in adapted screenplay. A huge <laughs> and awesome surprise for us geeks here. Like, um, so, you know, ad- adapted off of the comic book. You know, old man Logan, Scott Frank, who was the amazing showrunner of Godless a little earlier this year. He's had an amazing writing um, job. James Mangold. Michael Green is the co-showrunner of American Gods. Oh, hello. Yeah, and he wrote Blade Runner, like a huge year for Michael Green. So for him to get a nomination for Logan, that's pretty massive as well. But, you know, Mudbound, um, uh, getting in there for D. Reese, uh, you know, another woman of color in there. So look, it's like, you know... Uh, w- sometimes you forget when you're in the Twitter bubble and you're in the online bubble, like that not everyone gets to see all of these ripping films. And I just love this Oscars list. Um, despite who wins, um, mm. this Oscar nominees list is a, is a ripper because some people will go, Oh, I haven't seen Mudbound or, Oh, I haven't, you know, Oh, Logan, was it really that good to get a screenplay nod? Um, you know, and those sorts of things I think is what, really makes, um, the, you know, an Oscar nominees list like this um, really, really pop. And, you know, all credit to it. But, like, yeah, seeing Greta Gerwig on there, seeing Jordan Peele particularly for Get Out, you know, a movie that came out, like, what felt like five minutes after the Oscars last year, yep. has maintained a really important place in voters' minds to carry through. And it hasn't really had much of a campaign at all. No. it That one was the power of word of mouth. Yes. Completely. Yeah. $100 million opening for an African filmmaker, you know, African-American filmmaker that, and, and an original and the highest grossing original film, an original horror film ever. Um, so, and this time not nominated for a comedy. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Golden close. Bozos. But yeah, again, nine... You know, voted by 93 people. This is 7,000 strong members of the Academy that have voted for this. So, you know, it's um, it's going to be a really fun awards tonight. I'm looking forward to it a lot. I know. And, you know, our very own 
Margot Robbie. Yeah, Margot Robbie. Look, two Aussies. You know, mm. Josh Lawson nominated as best director for short film. Yeah. Um, and and Margot Robbie nominated for I Tonya, which is um, you know, which is out in Oz now as you're listening to this. So, yeah, it's um, it you know, uh, by by all accounts, uh, she's got a she's got a strong chance. But you know, there's still a couple of big people in here that you know, it's great for her to get a nomination, well deserved. But you know. I, it's going to be really surprising if anyone beats Frances McDormand at this point. She's won <laughs> everything, so it's a, it's going to be a, a hard slog. Yeah, but you know, it might be a little surprise. Might be some surprises. Some surprises. You never know. We might get another Moonlight moment. We might. <laughs> we might get another John Travolta, Nadell Nazim moment. Please welcome the wickedly talented one and only Nadell Nazim. Freaking bozo. He's such a Dick. It's not hard to say Idina Menzel. He didn't read it at all. He was concentrating on his wig, one of many wigs. Um, but speaking of surprises, so this is yeah. the other weird and wonderful thing that happened this week. Not wonderful as in the Oscars, Shape of Water, 13 nominations, get out no. in there. Just weird, like, earlier in the week, a trailer for a movie called Dundee showed up. And you're thinking, Dundee, hmm, what do I know that's called Dundee? Croc Dundee? <laughs> nah, that was back in the 80s, 90s. That's not coming back. There's no way at all that there could be a Crocodile Dundee sequel that I haven't heard about. Take a listen. Yo, where them kangaroos at? Brian Dundee? Yep. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. The dulcet tones there of Danny McBride <laughs> playing Dundee and a very baffled Chris Hemsworth. Brian Dundee. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth playing the son of Wally. What the hell's going on? Like, there, there's some real, like, there's complete and utter speculation online that this is fake, that it's not real. I don't know. Cause I don't da- know if it's real or not. It's Danny McBride <laughs> playing the son of Paul Hogan and um, Linda, <laughs> yeah, he's Brian Dundee, the son of uh, the, the the now half American son, and then you've got Wally Junior, actually, um, who's um, the original John Melion was the person who played um, uh, Wally from the original Walter, um, as he calls himself, the original Wally from Crocodile Dundee, and yeah, like. There have been so many speculation articles, a really ripping article if you get a chance in The Guardian. Um, uh, Luke Buckmaster, a friend of a friend of the show, Gaggle of Geeks, wrote a story about how Crocodile Dundee is basically just racist um, and <laughs> terrible. Um, and so, Better put Australia on the map. It did. It did. Well done. Um, conflicted. Um, uh, it, it is what it is. But, yeah, like, there are so many people online who are like, I don't actually know if this movie exists, and if it does exist, how the hell does it exist, number one? <laughs> and number two, when did they make this? Like, was Danny McBride just sneak into the country? Chris Hemsworth just, like, takes time out of his insane schedule to film this weird thing? I don't know. I feel like every time I look on Chris Hemsworth's Instagram, he's just somewhere in Australia surfing. So <laughs> it would not surprise me to just go, like... Surfing trip. Yo, Danny, you want to come down? Yeah. City of Australia? Make a movie while we're at it? <laughs> and Danny McBride is an exceptionally busy person. Like, he's remaking Halloween. He was in Alien Covenant. What the hell? Like, where... Anyway. So, weird. Weird and wonderful uh, things and to expect. And if it is a real thing, I am so excited. Oh, I really want to see it. I'm, I'm very genuinely curious to see what a Crocodile Dundee movie looks like in 2018. See, I'm just also getting, like, Danny McBride's 
um, character in Pineapple Express. Oh my god! <laughs> like him in the Australian Outback, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. With a uh, knife. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> let's not forget the unkillable character from Pineapple Express. Exactly. Or, or my even more favorite is the Danny McBride exaggerated version of himself in This Is the End, where he just like eats all of the rations and is a is a complete maniac. Gets kicked out of the house and then has Channing Tatum as like a post-apocalyptic, you know, love slave. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm happy for either of those mm. in Dundee. Well. So stupid. Appropriately stupid, I think. Well, let's just hope there is an announced date of when it will be on our screen. <gasps> Who knows? Screen Australia. They ha- cannot tease us like this. <laughs> screen Australia allegedly didn't know it was happening either, which is complete BS. So, oh my gosh. They cannot tease us and then leave us with nothing, Blake. That is freaking sacrilege in the pop culture Well, there's world. already two teaser trailers, which is more than most <laughs> other movies, right? That's more than we can say for Solo at the moment. <laughs> Solo, two two sets of directors, yep. nearly two years in production. Yep. Actors being replaced. Yep. Guess what has two trailers? Dundee. <laughs> Any press releases around that? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Any idea that was going to happen? Nope. nope. <laughs> What's Danny McBride been up to? Who freaking knows? <laughs> Who freaking knows? Oh, still on the topic of movies. This is a movie we've been waiting for a very, very, very long, 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 long time. An inordinate amount of time. It's well overdue. Um, we've been waiting it pretty much since the first Iron Man movie back in, what, 08? Yeah, I think it was 2010 was Iron Man 2 where we saw the first appearance of Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow. Oh, my God. It's been eight years. <laughs> eight years and many, many films. She was in Iron Man 2. She's in Cap. Best part of Winter- Cap, Cap Two, Cap yeah, two best. best part of Winter Soldier. She's in opinion. Avengers in in Avengers One. She's in Civil War. Mm-hmm. She's in Avengers Two. Yep. She does not have her own movie. Eight years. Well, all the bloody blokes with the sausage, <laughs> <laughs> the sausage fest, the sausages. They get their own solos. They like have a blink and you miss a cameo. Then suddenly, <gasps> solo movie. Solo movie. And she ate movies and counting. Yeah, look, and what's awesome, though, is while we've all been bitching um, consistently about Black Widow not having her own movie, Marvel have clearly, hopefully, been listening. And when they saw that Wonder Woman opened up to be one of the highest grossing movies of all time, um, they went, wow, I think we've got, this has got some legs. So Scarlett Johansson. (laughs) This has got some legs. Scarlett Johansson has (laughs) finally been given a Black Widow movie. And what's even more awesome about it is that she's getting a minimum payday of 25 million bucks for the movie including if the movie makes over 900 million at the box office a six million dollar bonus which would make her one of the highest grossing female actors um working today which is tremendous so look um 900 million bucks um is is no mean, you know, it's nothing to sneeze at. That's a lot of money. Um, and, you know, a lot of the Marvel movies, the standalone guy movies are, are, are making that money, you mm. know, but it's an international box office now. And, and you know, if they, if they make a good go of it and they make a good film, it's really hard to imagine how it couldn't make that much money because people know her and love her out of, you know, I think we would have nearly seen her in 10 movies between now and then. So it's, 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 it's pretty crazy. But, you know, she should have all the legs to, to make a pretty killer solo flick, Black Widow. So how much do the guys get paid, though, in comparison? Oh, okay. Um, Robert Downey <laughs> Jr. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. took a, um, a 
$50 million payday for the first Avengers movie, I think, including back-end, folks. And what back-end means is a percentage of the gross. Oh, my gosh. So he made... <laughs> That's how much he made for the first Avengers movie. <laughs> <laughs> Just heavy breathing. You cannot even <laughs> under-freaking-stand. Wow. So she hasn't met parody on that level yet. No. That's a start. No, no. Uh, look, I don't even think any of the other dudes have met parody on that level. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. is just like, OG said, you need me. And they kind of did at the time. Mm. Um, but yeah, look, they're all making bank right now. All those big, big Marvel stars, they're making some money. But Marvel's, you know, they're not, they don't need any money. They've got it all. They've got all of our money. Well, it'll be interesting because I swear there's already a Black Widow film out. By Fox, Red Sparrow. Yeah, Red Sparrow's coming out. Red Sparrow's coming out. There's a, there's a, there's Which is like, I'm watching the trailer going, if she had red hair, I'm pretty sure Jennifer Lawrence would be Black Widow right and now. Al- and also, it's the same reason that Ghost in the Shell existed. It was like she was trying to find a female-led action franchise, and she ha- already had one, but they just hadn't greenlit it yet. So, look, I'm all for a great bunch of awesome spy thrillers with Black Widow. Mm. You know, it can be done. Totally. I mean, we loved um, Hayley Atwood uh, when she was being Peggy. Peggy, yell Peg. Agent Carter. Agent Carter. That yeah, they've got. Great. It's got some. It's... it's got legs. They just have to give it a little bit more support. Put it on a network that people can watch easily. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of networks that are putting something on that we want to watch easily, what we do in shadows. The sh- <laughs> the TV show has been picked up by FX in the states. Um, undoubtedly, we're going to get it in Oz. Taika Waititi, written Jermaine Clement, written and starring. And uh, look, the whole gang's back. This is freaking exciting news. Yeah. So the whole gang's back. It's rebooted version for America, but because the it still has Taika and Jermaine at the helm, I'm feeling okay about it. Yeah, it's good. And look, it's this is the other thing. So there is a whole like. It's weird. There's like a mini cinematic universe of what we do in Shadows stuff, which is coming up right now. So you've got the What We Do in Shadows movie. You've got this TV show, which is, you know, turning into a TV show, which is great because it actually suits the format because literally they kind of copy like a Keeping Up with the Kardashians format. It totally is a reality show. It's a reality show. So it's it's just like what they should, the the writing process should be this. Taika Waititi sits down with Jermaine Clement. They make fun of every episode of this season, the most current seasons, (laughs) Keeping Up with the Kardashians, and then just translate it into vampires in Auckland. Like that, like in Wellington rather. Oh my God. Because this year everyone's talking about who is pregnant? Yes. (laughs) Who's having a baby? Apparently (laughs) three of them are. So. Yeah. Have you got some vampire brides? Come on, sort this out. It'll be vampire brides. And, um, but there is apparently a spin-off series called Wellington Paranormal, Mm -hmm. which is produced and is coming to New Zealand TV and the film sequel, Werewolves, um, (laughs) which is focusing on all the werewolf characters from the first movie. Um, Um, Reese Darby. Reese Darby at the helm. Um, but so this is completely separate to that. So, um, lots of, I mean, what we do in shadows is one of the funniest movies I think I've ever seen continues to be one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. And I don't think I've ever laughed harder. Like there's two movies that I think, and you know, I saw super bad at peak, you know, like <laughs> late teens, early twenties, um, super bad. And, and what we do in shadows are the movies that I can remember laughing the most hysterically at and uh, what we do in shadow is just outstanding. So if you haven't seen it, one, mm. get up on that. If you if you've listened to this show at any 
iteration podcast or or as a segment, um, you'll know you know what we're talking about. So yeah, um, yeah. definitely, definitely get on. Yeah, because the three films I have fallen out of my seat laughing are uh, what we do in the shadows. One, <laughs> you've two, fallen out of your seat laughing. Pretty much, I've just gone oh shoot and like actually gone forward um, <laughs> and nearly fallen out. Second one is Hunt for the Wilder People. <laughs> Third one, Magic Mike 2. <laughs> Magic Mike 2? You know that is XXL, yep. Especially when the Backstreet Boys sing. Oh, that is a good scene. Yep, and my friend and I, we were literally like slapping each other's thighs by that stage. Oh my God, that is so good. <laughs> that is a really good scene. I didn't quite Thank fall you. out of my seat. I didn't quite fall out of my seat, but yeah, it's 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 very good. <laughs> Those are my top three that I have fallen out of my seat at the cinema. I'm proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you should be. You should be. Actually, I think I'm going to go out there right now. Yeah. Because, of course, this is a podcast, so we, we can digress the living shit out of it. <laughs> my two favorite, actually, let's say th- three of my favorite experiences at a cinema mm. ever. Number, like, in no particular order. Yeah. Number one, I'll mention Magic Mike XXL. In Sydney, there was a premiere of Magic Mike XXL that had Channing Tatum mm-hmm. and had Joe Mangan Yellow, and it was at a th- it was at what was about to be just about to be knocked down, which is the Sydney Entertainment Centre. It was had about two and a half thousand people in there. Had literally the biggest screen, widescreen digital projection that had ever been assembled in Australia and perhaps the world. It was a massive widescreen that they'd, yeah. they'd made custom for this singular screening, and. It was like two and a half thousand, three and a half thousand screaming women and a lot of dudes who were like, let's be fair, either film geeks or handbags or gay. Um, <laughs> and when that movie went off, yep. there's never been a movie screening that's gone as rowdy as I've ever been. It was incredible. <laughs> Number two would be the screening at the Sydney Film Festival that closed the festival of what we do in Shadows. It was the end film of that year. Mm-hmm. Um and it had Taika and Jermaine introducing the film. Uh, and I I fell out of my seat more than once. It was hilarious. <laughs> Especially when he talks about the, the famous vampire uh, relating a uh, sandwich to a virgin. Um, <laughs> a line which which killed me so, so, so hard. Oh. And I reckon the third one is like Call Me By Your Name in the theatre last June because it was just such an emotional screening mm. and you literally could feel the energy from everyone in the room going through some shit. And then when you left, it was like a hangover of everyone just like just leaking from their eyes and their hearts were broken in a nice way. Um, so, yeah, like I would say they're my top three. But if you haven't seen Hunt for, uh, sorry, Hunt for the Wilder People, so I've talked about another fantastic one. But if you haven't seen What We Do in Shadows, like sort your life out right now. Totally. Now... This time next year, I'm expecting Tiger to be up there in the Oscar noms. <laughs> yeah, he'll be there. He's he's actually been doing some fantastic tweets around the Oscar noms. So, Tiger with Edie today. So around you've got you know um, the fantastic you know Edgar Wright was nominated. His film Baby Driver was nominated for like best sound editing and mm-hmm. and, th- and 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 editing just in general. Um, you had Kamal Nanjani. He was talking about all these people of color. So Tiger Watiti, of course, because he is absolutely freaking hilarious, was um. I was tweeting. <laughs> I'll, I'll see if I can grab it. He he goes, congrats to Kamal Nanjani, Emily Gordon, Jordan Peele, Edgar Wright, the, and the real 
Guillermo del Toro and all the other ats on your Oscar noms. Very proud to be your mentor and inspiration, <laughs> and basically the unacknowledged and basically the unacknowledged reason for your all of your success. Go us, we did this. And then Edgar Wright tweeted awesomely. He's like, "Oh, I see. Tyker, all the credit for TD strikes again." And then he goes, and he and he just quoted Edgar's tweet and goes, "I helped compose this tweet." So, um, he's he's number one. He's absolutely. Um, He's he's absolutely fantastic, uh, but yeah, like look, it wouldn't be surprising. Comedies though at the Oscars, and this is the massive thing why it's really cool to see things like get um, uh, the big sick up there uh, yep. for for a screenplay nod. It is exceptionally rare for comedies to get a good showing. Like they sometimes get nominated. Um, comedy and genre, yeah, comedy and genre are tough. At the Oscars. And, like, there's only... Not re- since, like, Lord of the Rings, with it's all of the noms, that whether you've kind of seen genre hit those high. Yeah, genre was that. And the and the big example is Annie Hall, you know, mm. as a comedy that landed and hit and won Best Picture. And that's literally the only comedy, in inverted commas, comedy that has, has, has completely landed. Like, there are other movies yeah. that have got dra- dramatic elements and funny people, but, yeah, another weird one. Now, Woody Allen... <laughs> and let's just slide right past Woody Allen. Is there anyone on the shit list this week? You are officially on my shit list. Just Woody Allen. No. <laughs> <laughs> and wait, wait. There is there is one thing we wanted to talk about. It's kind of not the shit list. Mm. It's like it's like a hilarious um, answer. So last week you may have remembered the last show we were talking about someone who did a forty-six, some men's rights activist douchebag who did a forty-six minute cut, cut of, <laughs> of Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Um, yep. So and- technically, MRAs are on the shit list and will forever be yeah, on the shit true, list. True, true, they are. But this week, someone has a response um, to that ridiculous exercise. Uh, basically did a fan edit of Saving Private Ryan, which wanted to take out the, um, <laughs> which wanted to take out the men. And, uh, in, in fact, um, they have a two minute and 20 second cut of Saving Private Ryan, which is a film that's two hours and 49 minutes long. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and someone posted it up there. It was at Logan James on the Twitter. Thank you, Logan James. Um, you are doing the God's work. Um, and, uh, yeah, so when j- you told me that I was like, that can't be more than a minute long. Yeah. Two it minutes. Can't be more than a minute. And when you like two and I'm like, Oh, a bit more I than s- I expected. I struggled to think of the women in Saving Private Ryan. And when you cut men out, because all I can think of is the mother, the mother, yeah, and then the daughter and the granddaughters' daughters walking through the cemetery. But I didn't know how yeah. much of because there's like one son and there's a few daughters and the wife. Yeah, that's it. I'm like, there's no nurses on there. There's no one on the ground. No, <laughs> no. no. There's a there's a family and a crying lady and Vin Diesel gets aptly shot trying to res- rescue a little girl. But I mean, look, I've been trying to race Vin Diesel from Saving Private Ryan for years. <laughs> And uh, it's not it's not happening. Nope. <laughs> um, so yeah, like. See, and this is the thing though. Even though that was Saving Private Ryan, you could do this with so many films. <laughs> yeah. And it would probably be around the one minute, two minute mark. Look, the the thing I would say though, and this is my, you know, I I, I remember certain movies. It's very easy to do. Like with Saving Private Ryan, it's not hard to expect. Like any war film set in like World War Two, whatever. I, I think. Uh, unless it's a love story, if it's like a pure war film and there's no love elements, you're rarely going to get women in there like that are unpolluted from men. It's I, I reckon you could do it. The Thin Red Line might have the same amount of, you know, and, and that's, you know, another, you know, beautiful, lyrical sort of um, uh, war film. 
Platoon, not a woman. I actually don't think there is a woman, except for a poor, like, Vietnamese, like, native person that's about to be killed. Um, oh, yay, fun. Yay. yay. Uh, I bet you they were browned up. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, so, like, they're, they're pretty easy. They're pretty easy, uh, easy pickings for that. But I think it's just hilarious. It's so silly. Like, uh, I, I just, I want to see the reactions. I should go on a message board unless we want to see that polluted. Um, <laughs> But there's one last bit uh, of uh, showbiz sort of uh, news or mm. news that we wanted to talk about. Li- literary news? Yeah, literary news, I suppose. Um, if you're a big fan of fantasy fiction, some very sad news this week. Um, Ursula K. Le Guin, um, who you might know from her series Tales of Earthsea or the Earthsea. Sea Quartet. Quart- well, it- it went beyond the quartet. It went, but it went beyond the quartet, but yeah, it was in the end. I was like eight, nine. <laughs> um, but yeah, she passed away age eighty-eight this week. Yeah, an incredible life. And um, one of the cool things is about today is like I I wasn't aware that like some of her stuff had been made into movies. So um, to like and, and and to TV movies and mm. um, the the left hand of um, the left hand of darkness was made into movies and there was whole all other stuff so I've like Earth got Sea was adapted by um... Ghibli yeah really Miyazaki yeah Miyazaki yeah 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 okay didn't know that yeah she was like oh aesthetically nice but you concentrate too much on the violence <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so she she's a badass and mm. um on one of the tweets um uh, that that I was reading to honor her she was actually asked to blurb for a book by her publisher or a senior editor at at Harcourt Publishing for another author by the name of Brian Aldous. It was about putting a blurb on there, uh, and it's like a compendium of fantasy stories. Mm. And I want to just quickly read um, her amazing letter um, to the editor, um, uh, uh, sort of responding to his request for her to blurb the book. Dear Mr. Radzkiewicz, I imagine myself, I can imagine myself blurbing a book in which Brian Aldous predictably sneers at my work because then I could preen myself on my (laughs) magnanimity. But I cannot imagine myself blurbing a book, the first of a new series, and hence presumably uh, exemplary of the series, which not only contains no writing by women, but the tone of which is so self-contentedly exclusively male, like a club or a locker room, that would not mag... That would not be magnanimity, but um, but foolishness. Gentlemen, I just don't belong here. Oh. She's a badass. Queen. (laughs) She's a badass. Queen. And this was dated when, Blake? Uh, This is... Oh, my gosh. This is still when you wrote letters. It's a long time ago. This is like... uh, Yeah, this is typewriter. Stuff. <laughs> it's actually it is written on a typewriter. I was looking at a picture of a typewriter. Don't have the exact date. We'll have to suss that out. But right. uh, but oh my god. So, kicking ass and writing fantastic fantasy books. Yeah, Earth Sea when when Earth Sea yeah. was still the Earth Sea Quartet. Mm. That was a seminal fantasy book for me. I I remember just it was like one of those ones where you you're a kid and it's like that. Don't judge a book by its cover, but the cover was so engaging. It was like, "What is this?" And you just grab it. And I remember, like, I I must have read that thing like ten times. But uh, she's a fantastic writer, and she died at eighty-eight, so she had an amazing life and had amazing influence. And in such a sausage fest of a genre of uh, work, she was a badass, and and was even a badass behind closed doors before we knew about mm. the badassery that went on, and probably when it was actually not good for her well-being for her to be such a badass. But she clearly was awesome. She paved the way. Yeah, she's a she's 
she's badass. She's right up there. And um, Miyazaki and Ghibli don't just adapt things willy nilly. No. No. So, um, so for for that level of quality, yeah, she's she's awesome. On that note, that is us for the week. Are you sure you don't want to trail off? I feel like we haven't ranted about stuff enough. That's true. I mean, the first week it was Star Wars navel-gazing. Oh, my God. Your second week was MRAs. MRAs. We went off into the deep end there. Do you want to go on an Oscar rant? The only Oscar rant... (laughs) I don't know if if I've got one in the chamber, but here's something I prepared earlier. Um, No, no, look. This is the thing about the Oscars. Mm. Fucking everyone's an expert, right? Like literally everyone's an expert, and I, including I, this guy and, who's always called on by ABC. And look, I, I I have been called on as an expert, and look, I'm not like I I'm a film fan, and I know the politics, and I think part of it is just being aware that you know at least with the Oscars, you've got seven thousand now increasingly diverse voices voting on these awards, which makes them more reputable and more awesome and and nice and stuff. But at the end of the day. People use them as an excuse to fucking argue with each other and tear <laughs> movies apart. And that's not actually what they should be for. That's why I kind of, like right now, if you just went and looked at the Oscar nominations and literally listed every movie and like mm. ticked them off, you'd have a pretty good experience. Like you might see some stuff you love, you might see some stuff you don't love so much. Uh, but it's so funny that people are just like, oh, I mean, I'm fucking good. I'm fucking deserve it. And you're like, oh, my God, is that what this conversation is going to be about? And so that's what, you know, I think it's only right that we end a gaggle of geeks on a rant. But that's what is really frustrating now is that everything about this is just people going, pitting movies together. Yeah. Like, it's arbitrary. It's nice for them to call it the best picture of the year in the context of what that means for the year. But... If Get Out doesn't win, it sucks, but it's really super awesome that a debut film by an African-American filmmaker that made over $100 million as an original property is nominated for an Oscar so that Jordan Peele, for the rest of his awesome career, can have Oscar nominated in front of it. And if it's Oscar winning, that's even better, but it's really just a cherry. It's Mm. a cherry. Because guess what one fucking best picture? Shakespeare in Love. Beat fucking Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> Speaking of Saving Private Ryan, Shakespeare fucking love. Yeah, that had a woman. <laughs> uh, if, if, if that's the only reason it won, then I hate Shakespeare in love even more. But no, Shakespeare in love, it's awful. It's awful. You, it's unwatchable. It was so bland. It's the worst. I remember mum watching it and I was like, do we have to watch this? She's like, it's, it's supposed to be good. It's won an Oscar. I don't and know. Look, Hi. as much as much as Forrest Gump is a good movie, okay, it's a good movie. I'm not going to say that it's not a good movie. It's just fucking nostalgia porn. Like, it's a big nostalgia porn. It beat Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Pulp Fiction. The movie that every other person copied for the next decade. Yeah, so yeah. the Oscars can sometimes do frustrating things to you folks. They make you angry about stuff. Mm. Make you argue with people. Clearly. Just don't argue. Just, yeah, clearly. <laughs> Seriously, my only my advice, that's my advice at the end of this, is just literally go to that list because yep. there's a stack. Of, like, like if you haven't seen Mudbound, it's on Netflix right now. Really incredible film by a woman of color. The first female cinematographer ever, ever, Rachel Morrison, has been nominated, which mm. is crazy to think that a, that a woman has never been nominated before. But that's right now for free, sort of free for 10 bucks a month. But it's essentially like it's free, right, on your Netflix right now. And uh, there's a stack of great stuff. Icarus, 
Last Men in Aleppo, both docos that are available in your stream right now. Like, there's a stack of all of the best pictures are pretty much out and around the cinemas this month. Go and see some stuff and uh, try not to hate each other, hate on each other online about it. Maybe. Well, well, Get Out may not win. It was still probably the most true thing on cinema. Yeah. <laughs> that reflects society. Yeah. <laughs> right now. There's been great films that haven't won Best Pictures, but it's so awesome that that is now the as a Best Picture nominee. Yeah. It's a it's it's like literally 2017, <laughs> the movie. <laughs> it's it's right. It, it's so on point, and um, yeah, it's, it hurt. It hurt so much because everything, even though it was like framed as this comedy drama, mm. like slash horror. It was a lot of slashies. In there. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, it was uh, like best comedy, des- drama, horror. The best description I've heard of it is... A, suspense. It's a, it's a social thriller. Yeah. Like, as much as anything, it's a social thriller. But, you know, Jordan Peele, the guy who did Kim Peele for five years, I have along on Comedy Central, has got a great comedic sensibility. And mm. I think what's even funnier is that he kind of... Like, the funniest bits of the movie are the black guy who actually knows that something's going wrong and is right the whole time. Like, <laughs> and no one listens <laughs> and to no him. And no one listens to it. Um, and... That's the irony, but, and you watch it. Like I was gripping onto my seat so tight. Yeah, and this you 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 get a sense, you know, like Dunkirk. Dunkirk is a war film that is. Oh, what would the cut of that be? Dunkirk, <laughs> the lady, the lady cut. I can't remember a lady <laughs> <laughs> at all. Um, there's a cut of Darkest Hour, which is Lily Collins just running away um, from. Uh, um, Winston Churchill, you know, played by Gary Oldman, like walking out of his toilet and stuff like that. And that's about the only woman that's in this movie. Um, <laughs> but like Darkest Hour, you know, it's about, it's about, it's about sort of facing, um, you know, f- you know, facing tyrannical figures mm. and Dunkirk's about escape and bringing people home and, and togetherness and get out's a social thriller that actually is the most woke film on race that's going around and Lady Bird Hey Donald Trump you should watch it and Lady and exactly like and Lady Bird is like a really sweet um movie about like female adolescence and the importance of womanhood and like growing up and then you get the Phantom Thread, which is a wonderful, weird, twisted love story um, that is kind of the most out there thing. You've got The Post, which is engaged, like it's it's tasseling with journalistic integrity right now in a time where fake news is in the lexicon. And mm-hmm. um, The Shape of Water is like a, an escapist fairy tale to, about movies and monsters and things like that. But at the same time, it's to escape a pretty shitty reality. Um, and then Plus fr- featuring a mute woman. Yeah. A mute woman. A mute woman. <laughs> who would rather have sex with a fish man than Donald Trump. <laughs> um, but, uh, and, and, of course, Three Billboards, which, yeah. you know, is problematic for some around its portrayal of America, but it's trying to tussle with some of those ideas. So, look, it's it's a pretty stacked and, you know, politically engaged bunch of movies, which is good because what's the point? Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just stoked on this list. It's a great list. It's a good list. Get out is the fan. Get out the Phantom Thread, and Lady Bird are Oscar-nominated movies. That is freaking rad. Oh my god, your rant's on a high this time. <laughs> no, <laughs> the Boss Baby is nominated for Best Animated Feature. Okay, now you need to bring it down. <laughs> no, no, it's like actually quite cute. That's funny. I saw that the other day for the first time. My little girl, that was great. But no, look, you got you got um, it's a pretty stacked list. It is. Logan's on there. Logan's on 
What a shock. Logan. Old man Logan. I did see a tweet that I agreed with, though. This might end us on a low. Fucking yeah. Christopher Plummer is nominated for Best Supporting Actor, when, you know, even though he swooped in for Kevin Spacey. So, yay, Chris Plummer. But someone tweeted, Hey, Chris Plummer, I see you there in Professor X's Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting <laughs> Actor. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. So, if I was tossing up, I'd put Patrick Stewart on that list. I love Logan. I adore it. I adore it. We adore that movie. It's Patrick great. Patrick Stewart was... <laughs> oh, my heart. Yeah. My little heart. All right. Well, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Till next time on Gaggle of Geeks. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. We'll be chatting with you next week for the week in news, pop culture, and all things good and geeky. Don't forget to subscribe, download, listen, tell your friends. Rate, review, tell tell all of your 4,000 friends, your 4,000 closest, dearest friends. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Hello. Gaggle of Geeks podcast in here. And they always end with a maniacal rant from me. (laughs) So far. It's very entertaining because I just sit here and laugh (laughs) and just go, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Smash me about that Dunkirk cut. (laughs) And no answer to that. Sorry, Chris Nolan. I love you, bro, but Safe just smashed you. There you go. She's waiting. She was waiting for that one. But yeah, download. Listen. Yay. Yay. See you guys. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.